Lord, this morning we do thank you that we can gather on a day like today and celebrate the one who is worthy. To thank you, Lord, for the numerous, endless blessings you have bestowed upon each of us. We have come into this house to give you glory. But we ask you right now that our minds and our hearts and even our attitudes will be conditioned to receive what it is you want to speak to us. For your word is life. And we are facing crucial hours and times. But Father, you are still resourceful in the words of life and hope. So speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Pastor already briefly informed you that uh, in DeRitter, Louisiana, where we are presently residents, I am teaching a class on Thursday night on the book of Revelation. Now, I am not a specialist in that field, but uh, I'm doing my very best. When I asked Pastor if I could do that in uh, DeRitter, he became excited about it, and I was also. But my opinion was I might have maybe, oh, maybe at the most 20, 25 in my class. I was shocked when I walked in, and the number told me how desperate people are to understand where we are and what is going on in the world in which we live. I have over 80 students in that class, and they come from various churches within our community. And that is also a sign that I feel is extremely vital to the period of life we are in. I believe the churches of God, those who are truly born again, God-fearing, God-loving, God-delivering, are going to come together. No longer will we allow ourselves to be separated by titles or opinions, but we are going to come under one banner, the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is not only happening where I am at, but it's happening everywhere. There is that move. But this morning I want to share with you, and I'm going to be reading to you uh, from the book, oh my goodness sakes, what have I done? I wrote the scripture down, but I didn't write where it comes from. Well, maybe it's going to be in a test of your biblical intelligence this morning. <laughs> or it is a test of my old age creeping up, I don't know which. But anyway, I do have the text, but not where it's from. And do I need to apologize well, I've already made myself known, so I'll just read it to you. All right. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. 
So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. My thought I want to share with you this morning is simply consolidated in these few words, led by the way of the wilderness. I do not know how you relate to certain words, but on a personal level, when I hear certain words, I begin to imagine in my mind things relative to what I have through the past associated with that word. Within my text, there is a word that I want to recognize. I want to expand on it as much as possible. And that is the word wilderness. Because when I think of wilderness, I think of barrenness, sweltering heat, uninhibitable land, hostility, even the lack of water, and a wasteland of nothingless. Yet, this seemingly no man's land, this wasteland of barrenness with its really suffocating heat and brutal terrain, in reality became a classroom, a classroom of education for a mass of people that reached into the thousands. In fact, if we statistically looked at the numeral, there were probably three million Israelites that exodused out of the land of Egypt. These people had been in captivity for over 400 years. The captivity that they were in created a slave mentality because they were brutalized by the people that they were subjected to. This created mentally and emotionally effects upon their mind, their value, their self-worth, and their entirety of life. But God made a decision that when they are going to be delivered and how they were going to be delivered and the process through which they would be delivered. So in reality, what seems barren, what seems desolate, what seems as a, tra a, a terrain of uh, ruggedness, literally to the nation of Israel, became a classroom of experience. For the wilderness has played a foundational role. And all you have to do is begin to read books like Exodus through the entirety of the Bible through the book of Deuteronomy. And you will find that the word wilderness has left a total lasting impression upon the children of Israel because of the experience of the wilderness. If you would read it closely, 
you will begin to see the effect it had upon them. Now, there were actually two ways, two ways that God could have delivered the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. It is spoken in the verse I read to you that God could have led them through the territory that was occupied by the Philistines. In reality, it would have been the shortest route to the land of promise that he had made to Abraham and to all of his descendants. But God knew that if they went that way, they were going to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines were a military trained group of vagrants who did nothing but devastate everything they came in contact with. The Israelites were not trained in warfare. They had been slaves. They knew nothing but how to make brick out of clay and had to gather their own straw. They had no self-will, no motivation, no purpose, and no dream. To be confronted and challenged by the Philistines would have been devastating. The Lord said in his word that it would discourage them. It would have brought fear into them to the point they would have wanted to return back to their captivity, to something they were more accustomed with and more familiar with. But the wisdom of God said, it may be the short way, but it's the wrong way. So I'm going to take you my way. I think we all understand that in each of our lives as the children of God, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. Where those steps may take us may not be where we want to go, but the wisdom of the Lord knows so much better than we do because we are preoccupied with the need to get there and want to get there, whatever it might be, but God knows there might be things that would hinder you. So he will prevent that from happening. And that's exactly what he done or what he did. They could have gone the shortcut. They could have gone north out of Egypt, south to the tip of Canaan. It would have been according to what I discovered, a four to five hour day journey. The other way was much further. Not only was it further, it was more testing, more hazardous. There was more possibility of danger. It required going through the wilderness, which was a much longer and a more laborious endeavor. The problem with that was simply this. Moses may have been their leader, but Moses was just the guide tour. He was not the navigator. The Bible says God led the people. God led the people. God led them through what? Not through something that was pleasant, not something that they could have enjoyed. It wasn't a cruise. 
it wasn't a tour. It was going to be an experience that would bring them through the wilderness. It was not going to be easy for them, and God understood that. But God also understood that there were certain things about the wilderness that would produce in these people the strength, the stability, the fortitude, and the foresight to move onward instead of going backward. It was God's choice. Amen. It wasn't even Moses' choice. It was God's choice. Sometimes the path God chooses. Sometimes that path is uncomfortable. But it can become a preventative from snares in life that we're really not aware of. God could have brought Israel straight to the promised land. In fact, folks, God could do anything God wants to do. But God sees and understands things about life and the process of life that we human beings do not because we have a limited amount of foresight. God not only knows our past, he is aware of your present and he fully understands your future. A perfect setting for God. What is it? The wilderness. It may not be for you, and I know it has not been for me. But where God is concerned, the wilderness becomes the proper arena of education. The place where you can learn what you could never learn anyplace else. God had an intention, and his intention was for the future welfare of his people. I hope you understand this, and I appreciate Pastor saying that we need to start claiming what is rightfully our inheritance. We need to understand God has a purpose for each and every one of us. He chooses the wilderness route, for this great communal journey. What I had failed to recognize about the wilderness, and you won't recognize it until you go through it, until you experience it. If you get your foot to the edge of it, there is something about human nature you want to draw back from the wilderness because it's an adventure of the unknown. You don't know the outcome. But I have learned that the wilderness has some very vital essentials involved in it. God had, as I said, an intention, a great and perfect opportunity was now being offered to Israel because in the wilderness they would encounter a spiritual intimacy with God like they had never experienced. Just as God spoke in some of the most, um, what do I want to say, remote places in our lives, God speaks. God speaks in places 
where there's no confusion, no distraction. If you read the word of God, when God spoke to the priest, he commissioned them or required them, you have to step out of the holy place and come behind the veil, a secluded place, a separate place, a place of intimacy, a place where there is no interference, the quiet place. I have found out the wilderness provides that for us. There are no distractions in the wilderness. There is no civilization in order there to create distraction of your mind. God will take you to a quiet place to do one reason, to speak to you, to let you hear from him. Just as God spoke in the temple, just as he spoke in the holies of holies. So I began to look at the wilderness as my private secret place with God, the place where I can enter into, which is holy ground, amen. Isn't that what he said to Moses? He said it to Moses in the wilderness, the ground upon which you are standing. It may appear to you as ground of rejection. It may appear to you as ground of being isolated. It may appear to be ground to you that you have no future and you are totally rejected. But I'm telling you, you are on holy ground. You're in a place now where God can speak to you. Amen. It was in the wilderness God communicated, and I'm going to say it more clearly, with Moses when he was broken, when he was alone, when he was confused, when he was going through a personal reevaluation of why he did what he did to brought him to where he was. The wilderness has a strange effect. The wilderness will do one of two things, but it, whatever it does, it's because we permit it. The wilderness will destroy you if you will let it. Or the wilderness will make you if you will permit it. If you will accept the challenge with the right mind, it can produce tremendous results. I have discovered that the wilderness is a divine must. If we're going to achieve anything, if we're going to become anything, if we're going to accomplish anything, if we are going to be what God has intended us to be, we must go through the wilderness. For it is there that we are shaped and confronted and conformed into the image of God's Son. It is there that the mind of Christ is built into us and the strength provided to tear down the strongholds of our imagination and even our fears. It is there we learn God's nature, a nature that prevails and a nature that overcomes. What we possibly do not realize is simply this. The Hebrew word for wilderness, 
for wilderness is W-O-R-D, word. And it is also related to the term to speak. So the wilderness is the place where God speaks. Amen. Where you are silent because of your circumstances. Where you are depleted of self. Where you stand naked and alone with no defense against the situations of light that have come up against you. But it's the wilderness that God speaks in. He's got you where he wants you so you can hear from him, so you can become what God has chosen you to become. We should not be discouraged by our wilderness experience, for the Lord can turn your wilderness into the holies of holies, where he speaks in an intimate way. So the wilderness is a place, a place of dependence, And may I say this to you, dependence is about trust. The wilderness, if allowed, can create confidence in your relationship to the Father. Amen. Because when you feel helpless, it's when he provides his strength. When you can't, it is only when he can. It's when you recognize you are incredible against the odds. It's when he shows up and says, I have the answer. But he'll never make himself available until we recognize we need to die to ourselves. If Israel was going to be free of her past, if she was going to reach beyond a slave mentality, if she was going to expand her future destiny according to the promise, she was going to have to release herself from the murmuring, the bitterness, the complaining, the whining of being deprived and what I've gone through and what they've done to me and how I feel or how I don't feel and had to realize I've got to die to myself in order to live again. Affliction, subjugation. They needed to learn to trust the Lord and the wilderness, the serenity, provided that kind of atmosphere. But before they could trust, they needed a severe attitude adjustment. Attitudes are really a secret power working 24 hours a day, either for good or for bad. It is of paramount importance to our spiritual well-being that we know how to harness and control the tremendous force of attitude. I have realized, and I'm going to speak, and I've mentioned it twice already, and I mentioned it again. 
I can't really share with you what I have not experienced. So I'm going to tell you that I have learned something out of adversity. I have been taught a severe lesson, even though it was painful. And if I understand the methods of God, God in his purpose and intention towards us who are his children, that God has a reason for everything he does. He can make our path smooth, but what do you learn out of smoothness? Nothing. It's out of a smooth and easy life that people become full of themselves. Always wanting more because they're never satisfied with what they've got. But God is wanting to bring us out of that peevishness mentality to a spiritual adultness and says, I'm going to let you rock a rocky road, a road of indifference, a road that is going to entangle you and test you. Amen. God has got to teach us certain things because he said life is a life of tribulation. Adversity has taught me something. It has taught me that it is very profitable, that there is prosperity in adversity because of what it will teach you if you have the right attitude. Jesus said, if you're going to be productive, the seed has to fall into the ground and be affected by the cultivation of the atmosphere around it. That the outer part of the seed, that shell that's protecting it, has got to break open. Why? Because there is potential in that seed that only dying to itself will produce. And God says, unless the seed of your life doesn't fall into the ground, it will not bear anything. So I'm going to tell you as your heavenly father how much I love you. I'm going to make the ground open up and swallow you. I'm going to make you feel the effect of what life is all about because there is a potential in you that your mind has yet not conceived that I want to release for I have given gifts unto men to promote the kingdom and the righteousness of God. So I will take you through your wilderness. Amen. Amen. Man, God permits a journey through the wilderness to educate us on what? How to depend completely on the Lord Jesus Christ. The nation of Israel was birthed in Egypt, but grew into maturity through the wilderness. It was there they learned the importance of obediently following the Lord. 
But it was a lack of resources that taught the Israelites to trust God for material needs as well as for direction and even protection. The psalmist David informs us in the 107th Psalm, verses 4 through 7, their life experienced in those condensed words. It states, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Then and only then, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distress and he led them the right way. Do those words sound familiar to you on a personal level? Amen. Do they speak to you in the, where, in the area of life you are in? God does the things he does to make us realize how inadequate we are really of in ourselves. Amen. God may not lead us on the nearest way or the path of our choice, but he will always lead us the right way. And because God knows the right way, the psalmist turns around and he says, oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Trust and dependence comes from a connection built firmly on the obedience of communication. Without communication resulting in the secret place, it's hard to trust God completely for direction in our lives. So God intentionally creates a wilderness in our lives as he did in the life of Joseph. God reveals Joseph's destiny. God says, Joseph, there are great things that you are going to do. I have destined you to do great things. You are not only going to be a dreamer of the dream, but you are going to see and experience and live through the reality of the dream. But I'm going to say to you, I'm not going to inform you of the process you have to go through in order to see the fulfillment of that dream. Because it's not going to just happen overnight. You're not going to be a dreamer today and an experiencer tomorrow. There is a process you're going to have to go through. Oh, to dream the dream will be exciting. To tell the dream will be exciting. But to live out the dream is an entirely different thing. So I'm going to take you through the process that the dream can be fulfilled. God was preparing him. Preparing him like he's preparing you. Whether you want to believe that or not. Preparing you for a destiny. Joseph could not visualize it 
and neither can you yours. But God will order our steps. Amen. Yet Joseph, with his lack of future understanding, acknowledged the Lord in all his ways. Amen. Even in every situation he was confronted with, even when he was lied upon to become involved with an arrangement that was totally contrary to his conscience and to his relationship to his God, and even one that infringed upon his integrity that he held in the esteem for Potiphar who had taken him and given him a place. He refused, and because of that refusal, 13 years he was in prison. But I thought, God, I was a dreamer. This isn't a dream. This is a nightmare. I'm scrubbing floors. I'm being beaten. I'm chained to a wall. I'm limited. I don't see any way out of this thing. But do you know the Bible says of Joseph, the Lord was with him. And whatever you're going through, the Lord is with you, my friend. We are going through bleak times, but we're just seeing the surface of it. Amen. And the Bible says, if you cannot keep up with the horsemen or the footmen, how will you keep up with the horses? If you can't travel in the pace of life that's going now, how are you when the four horsemen begin to arrive? Amen. So I'm going to build endurance in you. I'm going to build fortification a fortification within you. I'm going to make you strong within yourself. Joseph, where are you, Lord? But I will not abandon. God had ordered the course of his action. And even through his imprisonment, God ordained this wilderness of testing towards his destiny. And God has a purpose for all of us. Joseph's future words of consolation to his brethren were these. Simply, as for you, as for you, whoever that as for you in your life is, as for you, you thought evil against me. But what you thought is not what God thought. What you intended was not what God intended. The deception you went by was the reality that God wanted to achieve. What you intended, but God meant it for good. Amen. But you never know the good when you're treading through the wilderness, but it's when you get on the other side and see what God has brought you through. Amen. What is the good? He looked at his brethren and said, if you had not done what you did, God would have never preserved you 
to be able to stand before me now. Because God had more in mind than you could imagine. God used disorder to create new order in the life of Joseph. And God may be disarranging your life, your mind, your valuables, your possessions, disarranging it all to do what? To rearrange it, to put it in an order of fulfillment and purpose, potential, amen. The disruptions in life, oh yes, my friend, let's be honest. They can become overwhelming. Oh, yes, they can. But they serve to take us to a higher level, a higher level of faith. Because my Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And because God loves me, he's going to bring me to an elevation that will please him. And that's through the situations we go through in life. They would have never in the wilderness knew that God could feed them with angels' food if they had never gone through the wilderness. They would have never known that God could have Moses speak to a rock and the rock would pour out water when they were thirsty. I'm going to tell you something, folks. In your wilderness, God's got miracles for you if you'll just let God do what God wants to do. Stop looking at the situation around you and let it controlling your destiny and your values. But understand, the Lord will provide. Amen. Amen. God is with us, folks. God is with us. Amen. And we need to expect something significant out of that relationship. Because we are really only a work in progress. And because we are a work in progress, need I tell you, you're going to have bumps in the road, shortcomings, and a whole lot of failures. But our greatest struggle, and it has become more evident through the epidemic that has plagued not only our nation, but the world. Our greatest struggle is with fear. Amen. Fear, if you do not recognize this, let me acquaint you. Fear is a form of focus. We can get so focused on what might be that we lose sight of what could happen. Amen. Fear can cause you to begin evaluating your situation based on what bad things might happen rather than what promise God has made. So do not allow fear fear of the unknown to cause you to miss out on what God wants to bring you through. Do not allow fear to distract you from believing 
what could be or should be. Events and circumstance may look like failures, but when viewed more closely, what seems to be a failure literally becomes the catalyst that shifts you into the position of God's intended purpose. I ask you this question. What lessons has any man ever learned from success? Nothing. The greatest lessons you learn are out of failure. And God is saying, stop letting the enemy beat you down because you've made a mistake. Amen. But turn the mistake into an opportunity to train your faith to believe for greater things. Amen. Don't deplete yourself by the effect of the enemy's twisted thoughts relative to who you are, but allow God to say, out of nothingness, I created life. I made man out of the dust of the ground. And if I can make man out of the dust, I can take your need out of the ashes of your life and turn it into your miracle. Events and circumstances may look like failures, but brother, they're not failures if you know who you've put your trust in. So the upside of failure is knowing as bad as the situation may be, God has selected you to go through the wilderness. By way of the wilderness, it has been used by God to build us, not tear us down, to strengthen us, not make us weak. So whatever you may be going through, and I know you're going through it, because we all are, it may take on a different face, it may affect us in a different way, but we are all going through it. Whatever you are going through, God is saying, stop wrestling with it and try to figure it out. Take your hand off of it and let me put my hand on it. Let me show you what I can do and you will be the benefactor of something greater than you could have ever imagined because the wilderness has conditioned us so that we can hear what? That small, still voice for the wilderness is where God speaks. Amen. For each experience that I close this morning and to each challenge, each situation will bring us to our next dimension, building on what is already inside of us. And if you don't know what's inside of you, let me tell you, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he who is in you is greater 
than he who is in this world. So God led the people by the way of the wilderness. So how is God leading you? And are you willing to follow? And if you are, you will be the benefactor of the greatest relationship you could ever experience by submission to the will of God. God bless you.